Thank you for that simply lovely dinner, Alex. <laughs> Thank you. And it was only a vegetable lasagna for it you? It was only a vegetable lasagna. Nothing fiance's hand slipped while serving the lasagnas. <laughs> and a little bit of beef went onto my plate. And out of politeness. Yeah. You grimaced. My deep politeness. The grimace everything. was real because I was thinking about how much of the rest of the lasagna was vegetarian. <laughs> no. But we're not here to talk about my struggles to fully commit to literally any moral principle. We are starting this podcast because you very kindly said... Have you got an idea of how we're going to start this? And I said yes. And I thought, well, you've just given me dinner. Uh, <laughs> it's another domestic glimpse. Dupree has paid yet another visit to you and me. Because um, to be fair, the podcast You and Dupree is going all right. Um, <laughs> Me's now gone to bed and we're introducing this episode. <laughs> Me's got a new job, which means me has to go to bed quite early. It's so it's not a nocturnal podcast. you saying me. Yeah. But about your fiance. And by me, I mean my fiance. Yes. Me is my fiance. By me, I mean you. Um <laughs> Anyway, the important thing is, I'm Dupree. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, she's got sub-ideal hours, but she's doing absolutely brilliantly. May I say? You may. And now, to introduce this episode. I'm very excited. I, I loved listening back to it. Oh, it's just all on the bingo card of things we said at the top of the episodes. We think this was a good one. Well, we listened back to it already and we enjoyed it. We're sorry that it's long. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> um, but we recorded it with James Acaster. Alex, are you a fan of the comedy of James Acaster? I'm a big fan of the comedy of James Acaster. Took me a while, actually. <laughs> I, I, I really, I just, you know, all of that critical acclaim, I found it absolutely exhausting. But then a Brexit teabag, you know, finally I gave in. I thought, yeah, why not? Um, no, we're lucky. I make a clunking reference to a set piece in his 2012 Edinburgh show where you glance and he got a member of the audience to glance an apple off their bicep as the trick where you bounce an apple and catch it. And uh, I was the one who did that oh, the day really? that I the day that I saw Ooh. him for the first time. I was the one selected from the audience, which does mean that I had huge not comedian energy. You would never select uh, as a comedian. You would never uh, select a fellow comedian. Yes. So he looked at me and he thought, that "But is... you were in the final of So You Think Funny that month." Oh no! I love the Keel history. From year there. before, I do apologise. Sorry. Yes. Are you going to say it? Are you going to say the thing I say sometimes to you when you get a minor fact about my life wrong? <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> I should say, I don't always say that. I said that once in a moment of wild abandon. <laughs> You're more restrained abandon these days is much preferable. Uh, it comes and goes, the abandon. Anyway, sorry for getting that wrong. Yes, you'd been a finalist. You'd been wearing that, well, not crown, obviously, but you know, sort of <laughs> fa face that says I had access to the crown. I didn't realise when I started saying that, that I have worn the crown. You have worn the crown, yeah, yeah. But... I think regardless of what it says about your status and vibe, great that you got to play that role in Acaster's Prompt. I loved it. It was very nice. I can remember almost to the word the text that I sent James after Prompt was nominated. And I knew him well as a friend. We'd hung out weirdly in France because he'd done a gig supporting Josie Long there while I was studying on my year abroad. And we'd had a strange drink with the promoter Carol Beer. And I sent a text to a friend whose comedy I loved who'd got a nomination very excitingly. And it was, there was a lot of, wild abandon in that text as well but in a sort of totally different way and in light of the fact of there then being actually quite a lot of nominations succeed that i'm like yeah i didn't need to write that text as if johnny had just got his one lucky day ever it's like yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. a dynasty is now beginning you uh, know when you write a thank you letter for something that is in the gray area of whether you need to write a thank you letter but you think that task is quite a good one to procrastinate from doing other tasks that I would resent more. I've so never related to an it's like more than this. <laughs> Thank you, letters and procrastination. I've sent off a 12-pager today. 
I put a 12 pager in the post, not a thank you letter, more complex feelings. But then the point being that for whatever that, and I'm presuming for a 12 pager, this doesn't apply, but I'm saying that for whatever thing that you're thankful for, that you go, oh, this, maybe this wouldn't be a thank you, but I think I'm going to do it. But then if it happened every year oh, yeah. for the next four okay. years, like, you're like, is- I can't, that was a one-off text. I can't be texting you that every year for the next four years. That's what I texted him for the next four years. <laughs> <laughs> and more of our text histories with James are picked apart in this episode, which shows both the depth and history of the friendships, but also my quite simple refusal to give up on something that arguably didn't work the first time around. But as well as being a critically acclaimed, to the point of tedium, uh, (laughs) a comedian, James is also V-music adjacent. (laughs) May we recommend the book Perfect Sound, whatever about the music specifically of 2016, Dare say even the existence of that book is probably known to anyone listening to this, but needless to say, it covers much deeper and niche musical ground than much of the stuff we've done on this pretty Q Magazine-esque podcast so far. It's a fantastic book about music fandom and alongside life and the podcast Perfect Sounds, where he takes comedians to watch... Oh, sorry. <laughs> where he... Oh, wow! Well, he doesn't do that. That's what we do. Head in hands. The, the podcast, uh, <laughs> James A. Cass's Perfect Sounds, where he sends a different comedian each week an album from his best of 2016 album list and then talks about with that comedian about their experience from consuming I that I thought you were going to do album. like a topper or, or a riff, but you no, were just so I kept paddling the boat on while you drown yeah yeah, oh, yeah, yeah fair, fair enough actually uh, um, he's uh, also this year released the album from his music his collaboration with 39 other musicians yes. temps yes which you should listen to it's fantastic my recommendation at the end of the episode will be one of the well obviously listen to that but also specifically one of the artists from that. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Whereas I've got a recommendation that's really going to wind you up. <laughs> and so, yes, all sorts of things to check out if you haven't already, but I dare say many will already have done. We had the great privilege of going to watch a gig with James, though, because that's what we do in our podcast. That's what we do in our podcast. And what did we go and watch, Alex? We went to watch Youth Lagoon at Earth in Hackney. Evolutionary Arts Hackney. It's very clever that it's Earth, Evolutionary Arts Hackney, but I don't like it. Well, it's always any time that you've got a kind of committee, or it's like a thing that the American House of Representatives oh, does. I don't like this. like so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a thing that the American House of Representatives does when it's trying to make a fun moniker for some kind of not from friends the fun sort of uh <laughs> phrase for a quite random or technical bill so the chips act it is it's, so it's a music venue in northeast london <laughs> so i thought i'd just keep paddling the boat while you drowned <laughs> um, sorry i did that for the laugh it was actually very useful i think people would have been educated by what you were saying there but they can just google the rest of it quite horrifying for me that i could sort of see it in your face me. the whole time what was about to happen to me over the next i was like when did i you predict d- the drowning line <laughs> yeah no but just yes. the, the general gist sorry mate but you are my mate <laughs> with the date has been confirmed for your stag i'm, I'm acting as your mate the email my to best all mate. the your best mate the, the email to which is which began. is another nautical <laughs> thing being hurled off the boat we said this top would be short and it could still be medium length Earth is a great venue in northeast London, and it's where James recorded his stand-up comedy special, Cold, as I Hate Myself, 1999. We went to that in... Mid-November. Uh, Mid-November. About um, Sunday the 12th of November, I think. Before recording this podcast only a few days later. 
uh, Plosive Studios, where James and Ed make the Off Menu podcast, which may we recommend as well if you haven't come across <laughs> it. It's where they take guests to a different restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so, yes, an episode very much interwoven with James's professional life. And we went to see, at his suggestion or yours? At my suggestion... So we went to see Youth Lagoon, and I suggested that we go and see that to James, but James was the one who, he messaged me saying that this Youth Lagoon album was a real goodie from this year that mm. he'd been really enjoying. And I have been a fan of Youth Lagoon in the past, but from for about eight, ten years ago, and I sort of, the return of Youth Lagoon. So Youth Lagoon is a musical project of Trevor Powers, who is an Idaho-based musician, but he gave up that moniker. Um, about uh, about five or six years ago and then just released music under his own name abandoning the solo project although still then releasing anyway he changed the name of the project but has now resumed that label and then released the album heaven is a junkyard Mm. this year to sort of widespread critical acclaim and so we went to go and watch that We'd really recommend Heaven is a Junkyard, the album. I didn't know it really before, as with many of these pigs. I fell in uh, love with it in the sort of few days revision and then watching it and then listening to it afterwards. And it was a pretty stunning gig. And I do think we devote a good chunk of this podcast to talking about it towards the end. (laughs) So we'd recommend the work of Youth Lagoon. We'd also recommend you remembering that the album is called Heaven is a Junkyard. Because that's that will prove that will prove vital for quite a fun bit of the podcast. Uh, We think it's a bit of fun. We're we're planning (laughs) to make it into an Insta reel. (laughs) So talking about Youth Lagoon at Evolutionary Arts Hackney in Plosive Studios, home of Off Menu, with James A. Caster. Here is I've said all the things that could be. Here is here is the episode of James A. Caster watching Youth Lagoon with us. Thank you very much for coming, James, to your home more than ours. Plosive Studios. Welcome, guys. Have you ever talked about Youth Lagoon in this room before? No, I wouldn't dare. <laughs> wouldn't dare. I'd be in a lot of trouble if I brought up music during the food chat. Yeah? No, no. Again, you know, occasionally it would come up, but if I went as specific as Youth Lagoon, I mean, with Ed Gamble, I maybe have to bring up, you know, bands that we both like. Mm-hmm. I'd bring up the metal bands or whatever. If I went, yeah, just like that Youth Lagoon song, <laughs> I'd be in a lot of trouble. Who do you think out of you and Ed has been most fawnish over a musical guest? Ed, when we had Corey Taylor on. I thought that might be Yeah, we had Corey Taylor from Slipknot. And we've had a lot of people who I love as well, so we're both fawning. Hmm. But we never have one where I think where it's just me (laughs) doing the the fawning for a musical guest anyway. Do you remember anything that you particularly were excited to bring up with Corey Taylor? Well, I couldn't wait to, like, tell him how big of a fan Ed was. I knew that Ed was going to play it cool. So I was really looking forward to being like, Ed's actually a massive fan of you. And he's like, um, yeah, he, he's been to see you loads and he loves all of your music. <laughs> and then, like, I guess, I mean, because I, I used to be a very big Slipknot fan when I was a teenager when the self-titled album came out. So I guess I wanted to talk about when I saw them at Reading and they made everyone get down on the floor and then jump up and go crazy. Because I did that and I was part of it. And But then I remember being on the floor I was quite far back and I was I was 15 it was the third gig I'd ever been to was like Reading Festival for the the final day and I had a Slipknot like boiler shirt on like so I was there proper repping (laughs) Slipknot I was at the main stage all day it was a lineup unlike well I was gonna say unlike any I've seen since basically I think when you're 15 and you just have devoted yourself to punk and metal and what is in Kerrang and Metal Hammer and that is it it's actually quite easy to find an entire day's worth at a festival, a lineup that you love every single band because you just love all of it. And now that's never going to happen again. 
I'm never going to see a full lineup for a day at a festival and go, I love all of them. I'm staying at the main stage all day. That's going to be incredible. I remember at Glastonbury last year, you said, I've seen three things. No, I think you said it was three a day. Yes. Your aim was to see three, three yes. things that you liked a day. Yeah. And that, and, and that was great. You know, I mean, you know, I hated Glastonbury, but the bands I loved. <laughs> I loved seeing the bands. And that was brilliant that I saw three bands that I loved every day. But yeah, I mean, I remember... But you were schlepping for them. You weren't yeah. just camping out in one place and having it delivered to you yeah. course after course yeah and that'll forgive the uh... <laughs> <laughs> but that was I, I, that was like the last time that happened i guess was um well there was that and, and Ozfest the following year uh, when i was 16 but like i remember being very far back for slipknot about having my shirt on and he said everyone get down on the floor and i was down on the floor i was like this is fucking great oh it's so cool and then i looked over and there was a guy standing up refusing to Crouch down. Is Gary Mederick saying that there was a back injury in the post? If we... <laughs> <laughs> it was in the post, all right. Well, this guy was carrying, holding a massive flag, and the flag said Rage Against the Machine on it. And Rage Against the Machine had been billed earlier than Slipknot. And everyone right. was like, what the fuck? Right, right, right. This is their, you know, Rage's third album at the time. They're already legends. Slipknot's debut album, as far as most people are concerned. And I remember looking over that guy. <laughs> and thinking, actually, I really respect that guy. Because Corey Taylor, who was a lovely man, who I've met now, and is so lovely, but he was like, you know, so I can see some of you are not down on the floor, and all this. And this guy was just there with his flag, looking really proud of himself, like, yeah, I'm not down on the floor. So to confirm, this person had already watched Rage exactly. Against the Machine. Exactly. Yes. So, so this is now, this is now, this isn't like he was making a Slipknot's point. in the way of what I want. This is, yes. I've, I'm petulantly here yeah. still. I'm, I'm not waiting for Rage. Here. I'm still processing Rage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He loved them. It felt even stronger after seeing them <laughs> that they should have been <laughs> later on in the day. And he was like, I'm going to stand here and just rep them and remind all of these people who the true legends are. Mm. He couldn't have known that everyone was going to have to get down on the floor at some point, that guy, because that was a fairly new thing that I had started doing. But he's going to be thinking this has worked out perfectly. Yeah, he was like, this is great. <laughs> and he was standing there really pleased. And he, he knew, like, what, Corey Taylor, you're going to tell me, you're going to say, hey, the guy with the Rage Against the Machine flag, get on the fucking floor. Because you just marketed the band I want you to market. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to say that. And I remember being very like, oh, okay, maybe... When the singer says, everyone do this, it's cooler not to just... Oh. <laughs> there have been a few Alex Keeley flags at my tour shows recently, <laughs> which is, is hard to see. <laughs> Keeley against just the machine. one person standing up in a seated. <laughs> Thanks for drawing attention to the lack of ovations at my tour show, Alex. Ke Keeley ends his set by shouting, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, over and over again. Interspersed with the plot of Interstellar, which is also <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Uh, when was the last time you were part of a gig where the audience were asked to crouch? Well, I mean, that was, well, I was going to say the first and only time, but Slipknot were on the bill the following year at Ozfest and they did it again there, which was, I remember being slightly disappointed. I was like, oh, they're still doing that bit. <laughs> but I don't think I've been in a situation where we've all had to crouch again. Confidence Man and Franz Ferdinand asked it of me last year. Really? And actually, the Franz Ferdinand song was This Fire yeah. from their 2004 debut. And the Confidence Man song was a few years old as well. But actually... Yeah. I'd remembered really watching, enjoying videos of it on YouTube and seeing everyone getting down and then jumping up. And, and so when it started being in the know, this was at the start of the Confidence Man wave, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, oh, it's going to be really great when everyone does this. This is really going to pull a few more floating voters into the, into the melee. 
that's my flip side too. Isn't it a shame that Slipknot was still doing it one year later? Yeah. It had become part of the song to me. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I was 16. So I was like still under the illusion that every gig was this magical, spontaneous thing. Mm. Uh, now, if I saw a band do the same thing a year later, I'd be like, yeah, fair play. But like, <laughs> fair play, you've rehearsed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good bit and you're doing it with you. And it's, it's a, there's a massive audience at this festival. So it'd be a shame not to do it with them. But like, yeah, back then I was naive. So that was gig three that day at Reading? What, who else was yeah. on with that? So it's Rage and Slipknot. Do you remember anyone else on on your on your fantasy metal day? It's a bit of rock and metal, and also it was my vitriol first band on uh-huh. K C A Y Super Suckers A. Don't, not to be confused with K, just the, the letter A. <laughs> Blink One Eighty Two, Daphne and Celeste for two songs, and they got bottled off that day. What? Yeah, on the main stage. Yeah, so I was there for that. Actually, that's what I asked Corey Taylor about. And he said he comforted them backstage and told them that they were the most punk acts on the bill, which looking back, they definitely were. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of the legendary festival miss bookings. Yeah. <laughs> them singing. Who stick you and UGLY, you, you ugly. <laughs> Getting bottled and bottled and yeah. bottled by people before Slipknot. Oh, hold on. Were they just before Blink-182? So maybe they were after A and just before Blink-182. But I remember... So much disrespect that day. <laughs> I remember thinking I was fully in the right for I didn't bottle them. I, I raised my middle digits up on each finger. Uh, I put my hands in the air <laughs> and I flipped them the double rod. You're like, it's because you're a duo that I can do this. Yeah, yeah. one so finger. I, I was given that so I was like, these songs are bullying. These songs are playground bullying. They're making like songs that are playground bullying. Fuck you. And and uh, thinking that was justified, not really seeing that I had become everything I he who bullies the bullies. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and then, then Rage Against the Machine, then Slipknot, then Placebo, then Stereophonics, who brought Tom Jones out for the encore. What? So um, Stereophonics headlined? They did, yeah. And which originally at the time, I was probably like, there's just too mainstream, blah, blah, blah. Actually, had a lovely sing-along. <laughs> <laughs> really enjoyed it. You love a dessert. I love a dessert. And the Stereophonics are a lovely little pudding. What did Tom Jones, do you remember what Tom Mama Jones told me not to come. Just, just Mama told me not to yeah, come. Yeah, just came out and did Mama told me not to come. Delighted. I was delighted at that. I've been at the front until Rage Against the Machine, and then Rage Against the Machine thought that I was going to die. <laughs> uh, in the, I was so excited for them, but during Balls on Parade, I nearly got crushed <laughs> and had to be dragged out by the security. I was like, you need front, to get... over the barrier? Yeah, I was like, you need to get me out of here. And, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then you get like put back into the crowd, but like somewhere in the middle, so you never get into the front again. So Daphne and Celeste aren't necessarily seeing your. No, they saw that. That was, oh, before, that was before. Okay, they fucking saw that. <laughs> <laughs> they can see through the the sea of bottles. Have you um have you gone to the footage on YouTube of that day? Uh, not on YouTube. I mean, at the time, I was watching the BBC coverage and all that. And but do you, uh, have you, do you reckon you're close enough that you could you could say, oh, I was, I was about there? Joe, you know what? I might be. I, I, I'm trying to think if I did Teenage spot Acaster myself. flicking the Vs at Daphne and Celeste. If, if I spotted myself during one of the bands. I think I might have spotted myself during the Blink-182 footage at the time and was very excited about that. Myself and, and uh, Nish Kumar were in the audience for Big Thief in Glastonbury and we're very proud of that. We can see us on the BBC footage even though by now... I have been on the BBC, <laughs> but like it is exciting to see myself. You pensive, Nish crying. Was did you get some Nish crying? Nish hadn't cried yet. He did cry at some point during the set when they played Masterpiece. He cried, but like um, there's footage of us watching it really respectfully while our girlfriends are, you know, they'll attest to this, high as a kite. <laughs> uh, and, and Nish and I are very respectfully watching Big Thief. But then Nish talked about it on a documentary about Glastonbury and said about that bit. 
and also said about how at the start of Masterpiece, most of the gig was just me looking for him being emotional or something like that. So then they dug that out for the documentary. So they found it at the start of Masterpiece when it starts and it starts and you just see me excitedly turning around and looking at him because I know that he's going to cry. And I get so excited at gigs when Nish is going to cry. It's just like, and I try and film him. <laughs> so you can just see me turn around looking. And then you just realise I'm still the same kid who went to see Daphne and Celeste or whatever. I'm still getting so giddy and excited at gigs and don't act like an adult. I just get so excited at gigs. Like, I wanted to go for, to gigs for ages, like, to see, like, bands. And I kept a gig diary for maybe the first two years. Oh, wow. Maybe I stopped. And I was only seeing, like, three or four gigs a year, 15 and 16. But, like, I was writing like I was a music journalist about these gigs. There's definitely a sort of before doors bit of my gig going career. And then when you go to enough and then life takes over, it's like, yeah, I'll... Might even miss most of the support bands. Were you like a before doors person? I was whenever my parents could drop me off, but I was definitely there for all of the bands. I wanted to see all of the bands, even if I didn't know who they were. I was excited to see them all. I was excited to discover a new band if I didn't know who they were. If I did know who the band was, I was wanting to take in every single second of what was happening, every single musician, what they were doing, that would go in the gig diary, all of them by name, how their performance was, how they were performing. All of it was positive. There was never... <laughs> This wasn't that great, or this didn't live up to this. It was all like, this is incredible. This is, I wasn't even writing, you know, about the Slipknot thing and saying, you know, I wasn't even acknowledging in the gig diary that the, the Rage Against the Machine guy was actually... That's... Had changed my life. <laughs> I, was, I, I, was, I was just, I was just so saying that, like... that Rage Against the Machine guy wouldn't be in your diary because it was a negative it, element it was, of the gig. It was slightly negative on the band. It was like saying, <laughs> fuck you, the Slipknot of it. So I wouldn't have put that in there. So this is like Russian history where like you have to like talk orally to like yeah. the actual Russians being like, we didn't love Stalin that much. So those, yeah, those yeah. are just statues that we were forced to put up. Yes, exactly <laughs> like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the first gig I went to was Bush, supported by Cyclefly at the Cambridge Corn Exchange. And I've been begging to go for, to gigs for ages and eventually was allowed to go to that one. And Razorblade Suitcase was like a favourite album of mine at the time. I'd bought, got the first Cyclefly album, so I couldn't believe that a band that I already liked was supporting another band I liked. Definitely absorbing every millisecond of it. Like, so that I would remember it forever. Solo? Dropped off by your parents and watching Solo? Night with my friends Joanne and Steve. Steve, who had been to gigs before, so was like, you know, same age as me, 15, but telling me, like, you got to crowd surf. You have to. <laughs> you have to do it if it's your first gig. And I did it, and I remember the bouncer being a bit too aggressive with my nipples when taking me off of the off of the wow. crowd. Really, like, grabbing me by the nips. Is that going in the gig diary? The nip? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I was so proud of the fact I'd crowd surf. So it was in the diary that that had happened, that I'd nearly had my nipples ripped off by this security at the front. What did Steve say about that? Did he, did he say that's, that's part of the course? Yeah, he would have been, like, he would been like, welcome. Yeah. Welcome, you, you, you've, you've arrived. Well done. In which nearly got his pubes ripped off. So, good on you. <laughs> But I remember thinking it was just incredible. And then Metal Hammer reviewed the, the gig. I don't remember what they gave it, but I remember there was a column on the side where they had interviewed audience members. So there's a photo of each person and what they thought. I always wanted to get in there. Yeah. Oh, that's the dream. <laughs> and there's one guy. I still remember his face. <laughs> he, had, he had a beard and long, like, long greasy hair. I know that doesn't like narrow it down. But I, you, know, and you know how Paul McCartney has quite a weak face? <laughs> <laughs> he kind of had that kind of face to him, that, those kind of sad eyes that McCartney has. But uh, I remember him say, he, he said, he said it was better than I thought it was going to be. Mm. And I remember thinking, as someone who's this was their first gig, I've been looking forward to it. It was all I wanted to do. I was like, why 
the fuck would you go to a get like would you think oh that might be all right and you'd but you got tickets to it and you went to what the like i was like who is this prick <laughs> like i was so annoyed by it like why would you go to something and buy tickets to it if you don't think it's going to be awesome. If your expectations aren't that it's going to be brilliant, hmm. why you even if cynical? it's four stars upgrading to five? It's yeah, like come on. Yeah, but yeah. you only had the option of wanting it to be amazing and always think it was amazing. Yeah, it would yeah, be amazing no matter what. There was no way they would have had to have done. They would have had to single me out in the crowd and, and say this guy is a piece of shit for it to be a bad night for Steve me. feeling like you've made it now yeah yeah even then <laughs> it, I would look to Steve to tell me if it, that was a bad thing or not yeah. could you rank the Beatles by strength and weakness of face please yeah 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 yeah, yeah. absolutely who's got the strongest face in the Beatles um, whoa ooh. Harrison yeah 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 Harrison's got the strongest face the brow is really strong the cheekbones that stare, if you were having a staring contest with any of them, that, 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 that cuts you in half, the, the Harrison stare. Of course, you're knocking McCartney out of a staring contest in milliseconds. <laughs> He's melting like an ice cream in the heat. I that's, guess that's your cruelest insult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's me to say. I guess then I'll go Harrison, Lennon. Ringo, you might think, has sadder eyes than McCartney, but McCartney... The sadness is also in the pupils, not just the shape of the eyes. <laughs> oh, I think Ringo's Whereas, eyes are glazed. Yeah, yeah. Ringo's like the sad eyes, but of a lion. <laughs> like a sad lion. Whereas uh, McCartney is like a sad meerkat or a prey. He's prey. Okay. <laughs> if we've got time, we'll pick another band and do it again, but we'll write down our answers and see if they match up. <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah. Great. You know, obviously not great to just sit making aesthetic judgments about anyone, even the Beatles. But I've never ranked faces on strength and weakness before. <laughs> And it's, it's, you know... Daft Punk, which is Daft Punk. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> You'll not see a game ruined more efficiently than that. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. Fair enough. You could have gone for Slipknot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I think so. <laughs> no, the Daft Punk game's shorter as well. It's impossible yeah. and it's really short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you don't know their names because they're long. Yeah, That's yeah. not true. I know that one of them's called Thomas Bangalter. <laughs> anyway... How were you researching your incredibly detailed music journal? It was just Kerrang! Metal Hammer. I'd buy them every... Metal Hammer was once a month, but like Kerrang! every week. Read the whole thing. You know, first go around, I'd probably just, you know, pick out the bits that I liked. But eventually I'm reading every single bit of it because, you know, it's whatever year it was. I've not got a phone. No one has. <laughs> so I'm just reading every inch of that magazine. I'm absorbing it. I know the names of every single musician in all of the bands that I like. Couldn't do that now. Mm. Couldn't tell you who most of the people are. Well, we'll, we'll come to it, but I found it actively hard to research, even using Youth Lagoon's own Instagram, right, the yeah. names of Trevor Powers' bandmates right, right. at the gig. Right, yeah, yeah. And obviously yeah. it is quite a sort of individual entity, the band. But if you put me on a pub, you know, a sort of, you need to give me a quiz on any topic now, it probably still is individual band names members from, in my case, NME bands 2004 to 2006. Yeah. <laughs> you just read every single one. And occasionally I remember bands would be that sort of first name and then the surname yeah. is the name of the band. Yeah, that's what we're into. <laughs> I can't do that because it was such a sort of running joke enemy that would always be called like Ben Kaiser Chiefs or whatever. Well, that's not... Anyway, yeah, that's... Yeah. Okay, go on. Go on. Let's say it. They were Nick Kaiser Chiefs. Sure. <laughs> um, no longer in the band. The drummer. James, I thought. Uh, oh yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. You'd have a bit of respect for the work. Someone of from Kaiser Chiefs was at a, a gig once. Uh, I was at. 
a comedy gig, and everyone was like, "That guy's from Kaiser Chiefs." Well, there was someone named Kaiser Chiefs called Peanut, and and, Pe- and Peanut was so iconic in sort of two thousand and five in the enemy that he didn't need to be called Peanut Kaiser Chiefs. Right. There was someone in the front row of a gig recently, I think in Maidstone, which Alex and I did together a couple of weeks ago, called Peanut, and I said, "Like the Kaiser Chiefs," and the person didn't know there was someone called Peanut and Kaiser Chiefs. And to me, that was that was unthinkable. How would you not that your name would be Peanut, and you, uh, yeah, you know you of other Peanuts. <laughs> yeah, but I would get an, and knowing the full names as I did, I'd often be annoyed if it was like Nick Kaiser Chiefs. I was like. Don't 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 insult us. <laughs> it's very smash hits. You know, Spice Girls here, but like it, enemy. I was trying to think of an enemy example, but in my head, all I could think was Duncan Blue because that's the. Yeah, that, yeah. I can think of the smash hits examples come to mind more easily. Yeah. Well, I kind of just <laughs> trying to name all the Kaiser Chiefs in my head now, but that's, <laughs> yeah, not, that's, yeah. not, that's not what we're here to do. <laughs> How many Kaiser Chiefs do you think Ivo can name? But you have to say, I predict. Uh, and then you have to say how many you think you can I get. predict a four out of five. I predict a four out of five. I predict a three out of five. Okay. I think I think it is all of them. No, I can't name the new drummer. And it's and he's been there for years, so it's time to stop grieving. Are they still going? Like, yeah, yeah. I've just announced I thought he was up. like one of the judges on The Voice. Then. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's done that, but I think that's only breathed new life into the Kaiser Chiefs. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricky Wilson's played an absolute blinder. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you who the beneficiaries of that blinder are. <laughs> <laughs> Simon Riggs, Peanut, and a man I think was, was certainly referred to in the enemy as Whitey. <laughs> <laughs> what a band. I sent Ivo a text at random about, I don't know, a year and a half ago. I think I said, wh- what did I say exactly? I said, Is it time to reassess employment by the Kaiser Chiefs? <laughs> Eight minutes later, I sent a follow up text saying, Ignore that first. Well, what, what do you mean? <laughs> what was the? So when so you say I reassess, think I, was, I think I'd press play. Yeah, I, I think I was. Oh, just, you thought it's, I, this is I great. Press play. I press play. I listened to two. Which are the two lead singles? You can so, do that with any yeah, uh, any yeah, front loaded yeah. album. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to the first two of its songs. I was like. Maybe this is actually really good. And then yeah. like the third song here, I was like, yeah, just it was like a really humiliating live in real time yeah. um, tax retraction. It's a big <laughs> one where like whenever a new album is released by someone that I like or whatever and I'm listening to it, I have to stop myself before, when I was on social media, it was I had to stop myself from tweeting about it. But now it's I have to stop myself texting my friends about it before I've heard the whole album. Because yeah, yeah. I can get two or three tracks in, think, this is a masterpiece. And then be like I don't want Nish to tell me that it's brilliant <laughs> and then I'm like yeah, yeah I thought that was well Nish so I won't be straight in there everyone I was waiting for the hidden track at the end yeah everyone this is fucking great this album's great yes yes I'm the one who told everyone it was brilliant and then like fourth track is dog shit and then it carries on being awful and you're like oh no mm. why did I tell everyone this album's so good I'm like an idiot <laughs> And I think it's very difficult to not do that. Of course, you know, when reassessing an album, it's probably Yeah, different. I think with employment, I don't think there was a chance that there was going to be a text <laughs> coming the other direction, going, saying the same thing. I had time to listen to the whole thing. I absolutely loved switching my phone and getting <laughs> again to see both of those days. It's just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, in these days, obviously, the days of WhatsApp deletion, WhatsApp message yeah. editing, yeah. but obviously, no. <laughs> I'd have been livid if you did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to let him see it. <laughs> there are other people in one's life who you see a message has been deleted and you think, is there something spicy that's been said and regretted there? <laughs> With Alex, it's like, oh, which album has he dusted off? <laughs> <laughs> Called to be reappraised. <laughs> when you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've lost count. Or... Shoot that! Shoot that! 
and even checkouts not until four so because the american express platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants elevated experiences at live events and 4 p.m late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through amex travel that's the powerful backing of american express see how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with amex terms apply having made music and put it out into the world how much do you obsess about track listing and either front loading or not front loading oh yeah I'm not a fan of front loading. I think you just got to get the flow of it right. I think as comics, when we're putting a show together, a stand-up show together, a lot of the time when we're putting together an hour, we're really thinking about how the whole thing flows. Because like, unless it's your thing, having clunky joins between Mm-mm. routines and whatever slows the show down. So we're all about momentum and keeping mm-hmm. that up for an hour. And so I can't get into that with albums as well, that like they've made the whole thing flow as one. And I don't want it to just be, here's all the bangers at the top Mm. because that can massively affect an album and sometimes i've been known (laughs) to love every song on an album but not like the order of it i order the track list and make my own playlist of how i think it should be and some of my friends have told me that is disrespectful and uh (laughs) that i should be ashamed of myself you you wouldn't tell the artist you'd done that would you james (laughs) i was like no but (laughs) i won't say which artist and which album but on the night of that we went to Youth Lagoon before yeah. we got there. You gave me an example of one of these where yeah, you'd reordered. Oh, what? That's too hot for TV. That appeared to be too well, hot I, for... uh, Listen, Ivo, I've had a conversation with you about this particular album that you would agree with me. In fact, I think most people listening would agree with me. However, I think if it got back to the artist, mm. which these, let's, let's face it, these things can. Yes, of course. <laughs> I would be mortified. And it's an artist who I'm a massive, massive fan of. Oh. And I wouldn't want them to think that it means, if anything, it's because I'm such a massive fan yeah, that I've yeah, done yeah. this. Of course. I reordered your album because I love you. Because I love you. No one's got a basement shrine to someone there. Yeah. They're apathetic with it's always sunny string joining different <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. album orders together. <laughs> yeah. I've done it to two albums. And actually, on both occasions, the main thing I did first was get rid of the interludes. Mm. And then... <laughs> <laughs> Momentum boy hates an interlude. <laughs> We were driving to our gig in Bournemouth last week yeah. and we were listening to Muse's 2009 Siget Hungary <laughs> Festival set. We were praising it. I think just appraising it harder than ever before. But you, Alex, you couldn't believe it when I told you that they, they played the interlude of Absolution and it's listed on Setlist FM. And I was like, we're listening to it in the car. We're listening to this 30 seconds of sort of feedback. Very few people would attempt the feedback loop. Well, it's, it's well, a credit well, to you. Not, Thank you. <laughs> they're not Keely, are they? <laughs> what are the most egregious interludes in big albums? Ooh, I mean, because some interludes are great. And you're like, yeah, good on you for putting Actually, that's fucking great. But like, again, <laughs> I mean, obviously the ones that are most egregious for me are the ones that I've reordered and I don't want to say them. <laughs> How do we feel about the killers on Sam's Town? Don't just have interludes. They've got intro lewd and exit lewd, which I think I hate as yes, coining. Yes, stupid. Exit lewd isn't a yeah. word, is it? He yes. says, I think it's interlude and exit lewd. Is that the one that goes, we hope, hope you yes, enjoy yes. your stay? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. It's, bad. it's bad, isn't it, I think, actually. I don't mind them calling them that. I think it's funny to call them that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't like the, the killers, so, you know. I'm not made of stone. I like the big singles from The Hot Fuss or whatever it's called. <laughs> but uh, A very front-loaded album. <laughs> yeah, the first track on that, it's great. I love the first track on that. Your Jenny was a friend of mine fan. Yeah, the yeah. bass line on it. I love the bass line on that. Yeah, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna completely poo-poo that that album. But um, you're very respectful about what you say about 
or even artists like the killers let alone ones that you've met interviewed or worked with when you are doing perfect sounds podcast with yeah. people and obviously you're presenting some more casual music fans with some pretty intense music yeah. from 2016 <laughs> how much you are, are you relishing people coming in out of their comfort zone and not understanding well i don't think it's it as not understanding i see it as whatever they think about it is correct mm. Because it's subjective. Mm -hmm. So I want them to be confident in how they feel about it and not think, oh, this means I don't get it. Or, you know, oh, I don't know if I can, I don't know this kind of music enough to have an opinion on it. It's like, no, no, absolutely your opinion is correct because it's your, it's how you feel about the music. And that's what we're here to talk about. And some of it is very impenetrable. Yeah. If it was just going to be this album's brilliant, it should be me on my own every week. Just being like, here's another album I love and here's why it's great. But actually, especially when they're albums that people haven't really heard of, you want to get across to the listener what this album album is and sometimes the best way to do that is by having someone go this is just noise and dismiss it and not like it because actually i think if we both do you know between us do a good enough job at describing this music then anyone who would like it is going to know they would like it and anyone yeah, who wasn't yeah. is just going to know because that's what i think really the job of a reviewer is if they're a good reviewer is just to let everyone who would like it know that this is for them and everyone who wouldn't know don't waste your time and not make it about their opinion is correct and make mm. it like, here is what this is. I don't like it for these reasons. But all the reasons you don't like it are the exact reasons why someone else is, is yeah, going to yeah, like yeah. it. So like, as long as you do a good job of using your words and explaining <laughs> how it sounds, then you're fine. You've come a long way from James A. Castro at 16. I thought it was going to be brilliant. And it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Every gig. Yeah, every single gig. Yeah, yeah. I would find it funny if the guests were angry. I didn't want to see people start doubting themselves because they, they didn't get the album but I liked seeing people be furious at me for sending it to them and being like what the fuck in fact the biggest disappointment was sending Death Grips to Sindhu V and her being like I quite liked it actually like, oh fuck's sake Sindhu I deliberately chose you because I thought this would ruin your life did you do in the podcast is it the Antarctic drone what's that album yeah, which is like a dr Antarctic that's the one yeah, of Nano, all Nano the ones Holocaust no we didn't uh, we didn't do <laughs> Nano Cyborg uber holocaust on the uh... i really wanted it's like the thing from the book that i read and i was most like that is so narratively fun i yeah. really hope i like this and listen to it i'm like this is just utterly not for me yes at all i think so i wanted to do 100 episodes and cap it at that but if i'd carried on and we did do that album you would have been the first person i said it <laughs> And I would have been like, we're getting Keely on and we're sending in Nano Cyborg Uber Holocaust, which is a double album. And it's like, I mean, maybe three hours long. Uh, and it's drone music that's recorded in the South Pole by two scientists, research scientists. But that's so cool. All of that. Yes. All of that is so like, I want, yeah, I want yeah. to love you. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that, I mean, which is, it's just like why you'd be the perfect person to send it to because I would never listen to that and think you would like it. <laughs> but I know you would like the story behind it. Yeah, yeah. That two research scientists in the South Pole had decided to take their bass guitars out to the South Pole itself, sit and record themselves playing bass outdoors, and then slow it down and make this ambient drone music. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> I, it's one of the, you know, few, I don't really like drone a lot of the time, but I think because I can imagine all this stuff in my head right. when I'm listening. Into it, it kind of, it has a it puts me in a, in a in a sense of place, and I find it really relaxing to listen to. But also, there's a kind of like, oh, they're in the Antarctic. I can see why they've done that. Now. Sure. There's a sort of like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's if you're going to do it, that's yeah. where. But it's like at the minute, like 
the new Andre 3000 album came out this week where he's just playing flute for the whole thing and it's sort of very ambient. And again, with, with like that sort of music, I think I have to know the story behind it and I have to like be able to picture stuff in my head and have context for it. And then I can really enjoy instrument, I mean, instrumental music in general, but definitely ambient or drone music. I have to like have that as a like some sort of so for like the Andre 3000 when I'm like okay it's him he's been AWOL for like two decades and he's been walking <laughs> around Atlanta playing the flute and now he's kind of like recording himself basically learning this instrument I, I can do that I can listen to that whereas <laughs> if someone just went here's this and gave me no context well I'm not a fucking listener <laughs> so I have to be told a story I think but you didn't know the story of this Youth Lagoon album, did you? First of all, great segue. <laughs> Very good. Um, and you're right, I didn't. And you had to tell me it in the pub. So do you now know this, Ivo? Yes, about his, his, his reaction medical. to a pharmacy, medical drugs that has sort of had a reaction in his stomach and caused sort of bile and acid to move up through his throat and then ruin his singing voice and speaking voice for six months or something and he thought he wouldn't be able to sing again may I say that I was familiar with the beats of that as well although I did summarise a bit too crudely as medical shocker (laughs) I was going to pick you up on medical shocker (laughs) loved it (laughs) thank you doctor (laughs) yeah imagine if he's just crooning medical shocker over some of this um, heartfelt stuff but that's the background of this album yeah are you a long time fan of Youth Lagoon no just this year with this album so like you know I've said it a lot on different things but like I'm I just very out of the loop with current music until 2016. And then I got back on board hardcore. Do you like the music from 2016? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. It's, a bit, um, it's a bit of fun there. <laughs> and then every year... I've got, since... I've got a quiz about 2016 lyrics in the can. And yes, it's the same quiz I gave you in 2017 <laughs> on iMessage. I'll probably fail the exact same question. Um, but yeah, so this year it's been one of my favourite albums of the year. Is and, and I I haven't even gone back. So Keely was saying this to me as well before. He's like, and have you gone back now? And you're familiar with the old stuff? And I was like, nope. So I was just there at the gig, and every time he played an old song, Keely would have to turn to me and go, "So this is from 2013." <laughs> so like, thank you, Keely. And then, uh, um, there's a very good song called Mute. I loved Mute, which is great. Yes, that was the one that I think they played after Trapeze Artist. Yeah, which I. I think when you played Trapeze Artist, you gave me a like, this is going to be the good one mm-hmm. or a particularly good one. And I did enjoy it. But then mute afterwards, it knocked me over. It was such a loud gig at points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three band members on stage. Two of them I've attempted to learn the names of, uh-huh. but their identities are shrouded in mystery <laughs> on the first five Google results. But multi-instrumentalists, so we weren't getting all of guitar, bass, drums, keyboard in mm-hmm. any one song. They'd be, they'd be shifting? No, we had live drumming on the first song, and then I'd say we had five to six songs of no live drumming. And I did think they brought a drum kit an awful long way, <laughs> just to play it once at the start <laughs> yeah. of the set. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking also that I preferred the sound of the um, pre-recorded drums because so much of what I love about Heaven is a Junkyard is the production. The production's amazing. And so that drum sound that they've got on there, which is a little bit pots and pansy at times or whatever, you know, it sounds like they're like tapping on stuff. This is such a big part of that. So in the first song, when he was playing a live drum kit pretty loud, I was like, mm. <laughs> I, mean, I, I like it when the people do stuff differently live, but taking one of the elements I really love, kind of like chucking it in the bin. So then when he went on to the guitar, that, that fella, 
a very talented, could play everything pretty well. And they went to the drum sound from the album. I was like, ah, oh, now I'm in. You see him walking back towards the drums. Like, like, Don't oh. you dare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I was taking a nervous run up at my uh, incredibly well-researched question. James, you played drums. What did you think of the drumming? <laughs> but great to get the early answer in. Didn't like it. Like no. when it wasn't happening. He's a great drummer. Yeah, of course. But yeah, the drum sound, I was just like, I, I, I mean, that was the thing as well. Uh, yeah, with, with the actual, I mean, and this is obviously me having not played drums properly in ages. But um, I was surprised that they just went with a very loud sounding drum kit and didn't like go, let's, I mean, to quote the song, mute this a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, put some dampness on everything and make it sound as small as possible. Do that instead. But then I don't know what the situation is with some of these gigs where it's like, well, we can get you this drum kit from this place. And that's that's the drum kit you're going to have mm. to use tonight. They went hard on a couple of songs where that would have been difficult. Yes. What's the song which has the phrase Heaven is a Junkyard in it, but is not called Heaven is a Junkyard? Yeah, yeah. I think it's The Sling. Yes, it is. Um, that was substantially heavier and guitar squealier. Um, yeah, but he wasn't one. on the drums for that. Oh, yes. Good point. It was on guitar, doubling up with the bass player at the end with, with an almost metal... It was great. It was so good. The ending of that song, I mean, that, that song is great anyway, but that's an example of like, loved the changes they made to that yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Because they, yeah, they really went like full on. They were wailing at the end. Maybe a lazy comparison, but we did see them with you and uh, Nish and talked about them with Nish in this room a few months ago. Big Thief, yeah. band, mostly quite sparse uh, and minimal on record, very frail voice. And then live, certain songs are just completely reinvented mm -hmm. yeah. to the point of being, at point, some of the literal loudest music we've heard in our last near year of professional gig going. <laughs> <laughs> um, and similarly, I missed, who was the first support act? I think we only caught one song at the end, which was good, but we were quite late for that. But we watched Barry together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obviously very funny just to say Barry, but the opposite of picturing, e.g. Barry from EastEnders. We'll be going to Barry Oki at some point, surely. What's Barry Oki? Wait, what? Sing along to Barry songs. Yeah, it's Barry from EastEnders. Oh, is it? Yeah, genuinely, there's something called Barry Oki where it's a sort of thing that people in their mid-twenties go for like a mad ah, 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 yeah. night out and it's Barry from EastEnders doing karaoke. I hope I'm never in my mid-twenties ever again. <laughs> 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 it's such a load-bearing pun for a night out as well, yeah. I think. So Barry is an indie artist who is two people, but essentially just one person mm -hmm. on stage playing a keyboard on their lap with, again, very delicate, sparse percussion occasionally. But I'm sure you could go and watch all kinds of gigs at Earth, Evolutionary Arts Hackney, and it seemed like a fitting venue for all kinds of different things. But something about its the peeling grandeur of the room, like literally just it's beautiful and it's wide, but it, it also feels a bit like it's falling apart. Mm -hmm. And you told us about watching someone else there who dad played a piano, it sounded like it had been kicked down the stairs. Lingua Nota, yeah. Yes. That's one of the best gigs I've ever been to. Earth was so well suited to that set that she did because she goes on and the only lights in the room are these like ones that are on stands. There's like about five of them that are these light sticks that are so that's all she's using on stage is she's positioning them, moving them around throughout the set to light herself differently. And she's singing to a back and she's like classically trained opera singer, but is singing to these horror folk haunting like backing <laughs> tracks about, you know, Jesus and sin and all sorts of quite horrible things. And then uh, moves on to this piano that literally sounds like they've tied it to the back of the tour bus and let it just like bounce around the motorway <laughs> and, and then like and then put it on stage and she's playing it. And for whatever reason, at Earth, she walked on, everyone applauded a huge welcome onto the stage and then just didn't applaud again 
until the end of the show. So it, between every song, it was like just pin drop silence. Big classical music audience. It just felt like we shouldn't. I did, for whatever reason, she mainly got a metal audience, even though it's strictly not metal. But like everyone was just fixated, and like yeah, you know, she was doing bits where she walks into the audience holding one of the lights and she's singing, and, and it's just like at people and just mesmerizing, just incredible. And I don't know if for her she might have come off and gone, they didn't fucking applaud me, doing <laughs> some, like fucking shit audience tonight, because like you know. I definitely know that, uh, you know, it can feel different on stage to how it does in the audience. And uh, she might have come off going fucking shit as long as I've ever performed. And they didn't <laughs> clap me properly after each song. But, like, it was phenomenal. It was so, like, impactful, the whole thing. But then I've seen gigs in that room that are completely not suited to the room, you know. And you are, like, it's the, you know, it's the room that's, that's working against it. You know, I've, I've seen rap artists doing a gig where the acoustics are not suited to, you know, the backing tracks that they're playing. Right, right. Everything's just bouncing all over the place and you can't really hear the words they're saying and it's just a noise. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, this would have been better in a smaller venue and not one with such a high ceiling. And and also, fucking hell, if you're going to sit on those benches, <laughs> sitting in earth is very painful. No one likes sitting down it's on those the steps. Re- recorded is. Stand-up yeah. show there. Oh, no, I, I knew what I was putting in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought visually on camera, this is going to look great. People will enjoy watching this at home on their comfy sofa. <laughs> Apologies to everyone who's here. Yeah, yeah. Just um, to clarify, unallocated seating, no backs. It's like you are in an American high school watching a football game in an yeah, American high the school. Bleachers. Yeah, the bleachers. Yeah. If you go to the very back, yeah. you can just stand and lean yeah. on, lean on a... Which is still not great on the. You know, I'm shifting my weight from one leg to the other. You know, it still, it still doesn't feel great standing at the back. It's a good view, though. I thought it was a lovely way to experience. It really made me think that the venue felt just perfectly suited to it, and that you, you were drawn in by the intimacy of a lot of the, the music and the lyrics. But then, when they went for it on each individual instrument in turn, I can't remember which song it was. Just had an extended drum outro. Not even a. I'm no drummer but not a hugely complex bit of drumming, that bit in particular, but just for the fact that the the gig and the lights were just reduced to that one focal point. Mm-hmm. I found it very arresting. Yeah. I had a mad theory that I mentioned to Ivo after the gig, I think after you'd gone. Did you see the rotating sort of circles that were being projected around did, the stage yeah. at various points? Yeah. I think Trevor Powers is sort of reasonably religious. Right. And do you know the depictions in the Bible? Do you know what like angels are meant to look like according to some like you're medieval wrong with whatever you're about to say? But yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, have you seen the pictures of like? Are you sure they were just at the venue and they were like, <laughs> look, Trev, we're going to be putting these circles on stage while you're on. You probably, probably didn't even run it by him. We were looking for someone to have a quick drink afterwards, and I was saying, you know, the seraphim. Like an L. It was great. Yeah, it, you know, it I don't was... think it was that. I would say that the circles that were revolving around stage didn't look deliberate enough. I think they were just like, that's what the venue has. And they would do for you. If they're oh. like, do you want some shapes or whatever? We can oh, put wow. that, According to some readings of Ezekiel, <laughs> yeah, so what you're showing me like... now is absolutely nothing like <laughs> what was on the stage. It's sort <laughs> of <laughs> a concentric, rotating, three-dimensional sort of wheels of metal uh, with eyes in them. Yeah. And that's what, in some biblical passages, that it's like... Uh, which is just funny because, like, in, in you know, in carols, there's always that line of, low, do not be afeared. And uh-huh. then, like, when we're reading that now, we're like, ah, ha, ha. Why are you scared of a uh, someone with? It's just a. Sure. It's just someone with some wings, and then it's like, oh no, maybe that's what they were seeing. And yeah. I'm like, I would be like, yeah, you are gonna have to low. Do not be afraid. Yeah. Is that the mental journey you're going on, like during your average bit of carol singing? <laughs> 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 
Ah, well, he's getting Oh, yeah, it was like rotating things with all eyes looking at. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, we haven't discussed the imminent release schedule and when this episode is likely to go out, but we've got to get it out before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be heartbreaking for people to listen to this in mid Jan and be like, oh, I've got to wait 10 months to go on this carol journey. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't you think that's just a pre you just you, just to clarify you think that's a, an earth preset yeah it's yeah, an earth preset earth. i mean to, just for the listener the the circles they had a dot in the middle and, the, and then a, a dotted line circle around the dot that was it so i'm pretty sure that didn't represent the seraphim or whatever you were saying so like um yeah i i don't think that was anything to do with in fact i i one point during the gig saw those and thought oh it's a shame it's just like a I think I think that just comes with the venue because it'd be nice if it was something more specific it literally occurred to you that it was the yeah. most cookie cutter yeah I kind of remember thinking that and thinking like it would be nice if it was more specific you know when, when I saw Lingwick Nota here it's like my she bought her own light sticks and there was a projection on the back of all these people getting baptised and whatever and yeah. he's just Alex is there going I can see why people would have feared Jesus <laughs> you know, in any way yeah yeah I mean, you know, Alex is a very, very perceptive listener and viewer. He brings hot takes to everything. He's able to draw exquisite comparisons between reference points from different parts of his life. Yeah. And also, you have a religious background. Yes. So, you know, you should be flattered that he was stood next to you, seeing the gig through this prism. I'm always feel honoured to be near Keeley whenever he's looking at anything. <laughs> Just, uh, I know that he's absorbing it differently to me. But I've, you know, I've, I've watched some very moving James A. Custer stand up about faith and arguably leaving it behind, but you've never felt more atheist than this moment. <laughs> <laughs> looking at those clearly biblical circles and being like, what is this rubbish what? earth preset? <laughs> yeah, I've lost it. I've lost my faith, but... Trevor Powers said in the gig that he's very happy to be in London and if he lived anywhere, yeah. if he left Idaho, yes. where he still lives, he would have lived in London. Yeah. Trevor Powers is from Boise, yeah. Idaho, spelled B-O-Y-S, B-O-I-S-E. Uh -huh. I read that there's a shibboleth that error one would be calling it Boas. Uh -huh. Error two is calling it Boise, but apparently you're meant to say Boise, which Boise. is very similar to me. Like off Only Fools and Horses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trevor Powers through falls through the bar. <laughs> the tube stop in East London is Thaden B O I S. How are you saying that? Boys, but I th that's probably wrong. You'd hope that if Trevor Powers lived anywhere in London, he just moves straight yeah. to Thaden. <laughs> Thaden boy would have to. <laughs> I watched There Will Be Blood for the first time last night. Yep. Have you seen it? Yes. No. No, you've not. There's just a very good shibboleth moment in that where Daniel Day Lewis's character is chatting with someone who he become suspicious of because he makes a joke about like we could pick up some liquor and women and go to the peach house or something uh -huh. and then it that turns out to be a local joke that the person doesn't get and then it becomes suspicious if you got any favorite shibboleths is what i'm saying i love a shibboleth whenever i see it in a film i'm always really like i'm always like a shibboleth is, so a, a shibboleth is like an in joke or if someone said to you in like 2012 <laughs> someone stressed saying that they'd seen your show and hadn't seen you that fringe yeah. and then you went oh, yeah, oh yeah. it was a pretty hard one today uh, the bit where they flipped the pairs off their arm yeah. went down pretty pretty bad today yes, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they went oh no I thought it went really well you'd be like ah there's it's oh, apples ah uh, I got you with a shibboleth yeah that's, uh, <laughs> that's that, sort of like a shibboleth <laughs> Oh, I shibboleth the shit out of you. Unbelievably specific reference to a bit from James's 2012 show <laughs> <laughs> that is what would be your you know yeah, I love, yeah, I love, yeah, whenever yeah, no, I see no, a shibboleth no, in a yeah, film yeah, I'm yeah, like I need to have some prepared I, I need to have some prepared shibboleths to be was able that to a, catch. was that a prepared shibboleth 
No, I just think we should all have our own James is going to expect us to draw all of our shibboleths from his Netflix specials. We have to go earlier. We have to do a shibboleth from Prompt. (laughs) Well, Prompt isn't one of the Netflix specials, so... Guess what? You got shibboleth. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. I, was corre- I was correct. Yeah, he's saying earlier than the Netflix. That's earlier than the Netflix specials. That's what. That's what I've said. Oh yeah. Don't, oh sorry. Don't you worry, James. <laughs> you, 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 uh, shibboleth. What's that? Yeah, I, think, I think that's a, that's that's a, a self, self a shibboleth. Self shibboleth. <laughs> I'm really getting annoyed with myself lately for how much stuff I watch, which I know isn't good. Yeah. Or isn't going to be great, but I just watch it. I used to be very principled. I think when I was like. Late teens, early 20s, I was just like, I'd just write off any blockbuster. Probably went too far the other way, but I'd just be like, that's going to be shit. I'm not going to bother watching that. I'm going to watch these independent films mm. that I've heard are brilliant. And then even the ones I didn't like, I would have, they would still like be more interesting to talk about than a rubbish blockbuster that like, day after tomorrow that I'd seen and thought was an absolute pile of shit <laughs> and was annoyed that I'd sat in the cinema for that long watching it. And now I'm just watching... We went to see Jurassic World together. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> time. I think I've said it on something before, but I, I was speaking to someone about Jurassic World. And I was like, it's, I hadn't enjoyed it. And, and, and they were like, I thought it was great. I thought it was brilliant. And I was like, well, I was like, you didn't think some of it was weird? And, there's a, and, and eventually we got to me saying like, I mean, some of it was like weirdly sexist. And they were like, how? I was like, well, there's that woman in it who, like, runs the whole thing and, like, they basically just make sure that by the end she's gone from owning the park to just, like, she's realised that she needs a man to save her and that she'd quite like to have kids and maybe she shouldn't be running businesses and all this. And they were like, and looked at me like I was an idiot, and they said, how can Jurassic Park be sexist? All the dinosaurs are women. (laughs) And it wasn't a joke. (laughs) And I think I let them win the argument because I found it that funny. Do any of the dinosaurs talk to each other about something that isn't a male dinosaur at any point? That's the, the real question. The Brachiosaurus test. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Favourite ever blockbuster? Probably is Endgame or Infinity War. I mean, they were two of the best experiences I've ever had in the cinema, to be fair to them. Mm. So, you know, I would probably go for those. I mean, there's some Spielberg ones, obviously, that are phenomenal as well, but then they came out before... I think his blockbusters came out before my time. Of Jurassic Park, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that was a massive moment for me as a kid, being allowed to go and see that at the cinema. Youth Lagoon said that during, or Trevor Powers, during his period of recovery and the preparation of Heaven is a Pigsty, he would go on binges of watching him time. Sorry, Heaven. (laughs) That's the WhatsApp group. That's amazing. That was the WhatsApp group that you guys set up for the gig, is that you called it Heaven is a Pigsty. And now you've called his album that. For real. <laughs> oh, no. That's the first, <laughs> called heaven is a that's joke, the first yeah. time that's happened. It's almost amazing it's the first time that's happened. Yeah. It's, it's barely, barely worth pressing on with my point about that's, all the films that Trevor Powers watched. That's the same energy of if you've given someone a nickname behind their back and then accidentally <laughs> call them that nickname to their yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've, you've had heaven is a big start. I've had an absolute disaster there. Maybe should have, I, I, I'm trying to think, because you didn't notice it. If I just left that, and then once, right. and then once we finished recording, said, "By the way, Ivo, <laughs> you would have thrown yourself off of a building." Like, there's like oh, we're not ruling it out. Even just, now, yeah, yeah, just knowing, <laughs> knowing 
<laughs> how you feel about that sort of stuff. Well, also because it know, was such it was such a tight sentence, yeah. both before and after that. Yeah, I mean, I I um, I'd love to know what what it was going to be. You know, I was thinking to myself, you know, we, we've got lots to cover. We've only got a certain amount of time. I don't think I've got you know the most insightful things to say about the gig. I just generally loved it, but I have done a little bit of research, and I know this thing about films and that links. We're talking about films. As I called it up, even though I was reading off an iPhone note, which is a bit of a shame, I thought, this is great stuff. Like in my head, I was like, is there a better feeling than being fairly certain something's a good idea and you don't even have to articulate it in your head because I'm just about to read a quote. I'm yeah. like, the next 30 seconds are plain sailing. Yeah, yeah. And then like, James and Alex will say interesting things in response to it. And yeah, it's basically me done. You get completed for a second, and then you say heaven is a pigsty instead of heaven is a junkyard, because Alex called the WhatsApp group heaven is a pigsty. But I think we should stop doing that, Alex, actually. We should start calling our WhatsApp groups uh, gig pigs brackets, this, and then the name of the artist. One of my, the, one the, of the my top five favourite things of this yeah, yeah, whole thing, yeah, yeah. And just because of that flub, you want it to end. Yeah, yeah I do. I, yeah, Incredible. of course. I, th- I, think that's a, I think that's a thing ending flub, for, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then, finish your sentence. Uh, he likes films, uh, yeah. as do you. What was your favourite uh, gig ever? My favourite gig I've ever been to. Yes, I think. Well, it probably still is when I saw I saw Paul Simon do all of Graceland at Hyde Park with Lady Smith, Black Mabazu, and uh, Hugh Masakela, and uh, a load of guests. Jimmy Cliff came on. Like we watched a documentary about that very recently. It was pretty incredible. Under African skies. Was that 2017? No, it was 2012. Sorry, 2012. But like, there's a, a lot of gigs which are probably enjoyed just as much. But like, if someone was like, "We're going to remove." all your memories of every gig you've been to as part from one and you can keep one I would probably keep that one because yeah I mean there's ones yeah, I saw um, David Byrne do American Utopia which I'm sure is anyone who saw that show it's in contention for best gig they've ever seen he's wearing a Talking Heads t-shirt right now he's got once in a lifetime on his t-shirt lovely once I'd, in a pig style I, yeah, I, I, I lift up my jumper and it's just another t- different t-shirt that would be oh, great. Sorry. Just, just showing you a plain white t-shirt I, it's I need to go home horrifically offensive t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> that lingwig note of his you know, gig is up there seeing the streets at Crystal Palace that was one of the most memorable gigs I've been to because that was just like when everything was lifting after the lockdowns it was the first gig I went to and uh, he did mainly stuff from original poem material which is one of my favourite albums but he'd also released that new single about when it was going to be the end of lockdown uh-huh. who's got the bag but it had specific lyrics about the date of the lockdown being over oh, yes. and, and then that then the dates changed so it just sort of I can't remember if he re-released it. So this but. is his Black Eyed Peas thing where you deliberately have an ableist slur in the first instance of the single and then you get to make money again by releasing it without the ableist slur. But he just is relying on the government's poor COVID policy to be able to keep pumping out different versions of the single. I don't think there's another person in the world who would be able to draw a link between those two things. Those three things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, not, let's not ignore the government's COVID policy. <laughs> What we're dealing with here is a loss of confidence. Yes, because heaven, <laughs> heaven is a pigsty, quite rightfully. It's got, it's got in your head. I think when you created the group, <laughs> I said, good luck. I was quite pleased with, we're going to see BC Camp Light. And, uh, and I called the group, BC Camp Light owes James money. He, he knows he does. <laughs> It, can I say that it was so funny that at the gig, usually when you're chatting, when someone's like, are you seeing any other shows to this? Yeah. And I was like, oh, we're seeing BC Camp Light. Like, do you know them? And are you expect either yes or no, and then some more nuanced version of that. And then you just went, that guy has me money. Yeah, that guy has me money. <laughs> he knows he does. 
<laughs> not, not news to him. He hears this. I guess me saying that I made our WhatsApp group uh, picking up a fuss is basically relevant now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and may I say, James, that we discussed it afterwards, and, and uh, the whole business sounds very unfortunate. And you, you have my sympathies. <laughs> I've, I've been quite excited for this upcoming gig now, but it's going to be hard to watch. That'll be great. He's brilliant. He's a brilliant guy. I'm sure I'll get my money back in due course. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything else in particular that you enjoyed about Youth Lagoon or that you wish you'd got out of the gig? I wasn't a fan of the setup with him at the side of stage. Mm. With Barry, I liked that they were front and centre. And I think in that room, you have to find ways of making it feel intimate. It's a massive stage relative yeah. to the size of the room. Stride manically from left to right, talking about some of the darkest moments in your personal life. <laughs> it's the only way to do it. For example. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had to think a lot about the lighting for that show, for example, to make the stage feel not as deep as it was. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I think Barry just being like, okay, it's us and a keyboard, so what we're going to do is just go front and centre and let it be... It's just us very small rather than try and fill the space. I think that worked. And I think having him over to one side and no one really in the middle Mm. and the lighting being what it was meant that often I was watching what felt like an empty stage and uh, people playing at the sides rather than I wanted to watch him play the songs. The song sounded brilliant. He's an amazing singer live. That's what I enjoyed most probably. So the end of the sling and just the fact that he's such a good vocalist live and getting to hear someone sing that that well and also the fact that i love every song on that album and i think he pretty much did every song on the album like he even came on to the interlude he walked <laughs> onto that pre-recorded version of it but i'm pretty sure he did do the whole album and uh that's like quite special to see that i would have liked the 2015 album of theirs they didn't play any of and there's a song called highway patrol stun gun i'd have liked from oh, yeah. that this 2023 album is a bit of a departure for youth lagoon the sound is different and there's a kind of a slightly more just standard indie rock sound or like sort of epic swirl of noise in previous albums but i really like that well you've got to remember they've had this medical shocker which yes. is you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was always going to be different <laughs> do you have any upcoming gigs that you're particularly excited about james oh man do I? I don't know. I don't think I. I don't think I do. That's bad. Yeah, I don't think I'm able to go to the ones that people have invited me to, which is pretty gutting. Obviously, the, the invite to BC Camp Light is not forthcoming. You just stood there <laughs> flicking the V's again, <laughs> just rubbing my four, thumb and forefinger together, at him. holding um, up, holding up your sort code, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in case you haven't got these. I like to call him B-A-C-S, <laughs> Camp Light. That's great stuff. Because he backs me. Um, but uh, no, no, I don't think I have got any gigs coming up, which is a, which is a shame, actually, to realise that. But, like, I've had quite a nice year. I, this year, seen quite a lot of nice gigs. And went, the, the standout is um went to see Sampho in Hackney Church. So a very small, intimate gig. And he did it in the round. And it was before this amazing new album came out. And that was really special. And... Uh, yeah, I kind of like, I just keep on thinking about it still because of how good it was. And I also keep on thinking about how tickets sold out in like two minutes and yet a lot of people around me were on their phones for the entire show and not, didn't even look up and it made me very annoyed. <laughs> and we're just talking, there's just two people in front of us just looking at each other, not at the stage, talking for the whole fucking thing and then occasionally putting their phones up to filming and then going back to talking and it makes me want to rip my fucking head off. <laughs> I hate it so, I hate it so much. Mm picture them after the gig and they're just saying uh, better than we thought it would be actually yeah yeah well you know what it's, it's worse than that and so it's like if anyone's listening to this who like you know regularly goes to gigs 
We'd hope we find a couple. Yeah, yeah. I, I would hope there are people on here who do that. If you're one of the people who basically talks all the way through it or is on your phone all the way through, then you're a piece of shit. We've danced around this conversation many times, but never has it been articulated as clearly as I you. just think it should be direct. And I think you should know you're a piece of shit <laughs> and to stop doing it. And also, if you go with your mates and you keep leaning over and shouting in your friend's ear and they're giving you very little back, that's because they want you to stop doing that. <laughs> and you need to stop doing it. You need to not continue... Maybe to save your thoughts about the gig and what what's happening on stage. For the podcast. For, for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'd argue that that can be applied to stand-up comedy gigs as well. There'll be an interval. You do that, don't you? It's like, oh, do say you do, you do that, don't you? But say it in like 17 minutes' time yeah, yeah, when yeah. there's so, a designated period for that. I, they might not remember. <laughs> yes. I, I dropped a bit of coloured card to the floor in Belfast last week and I flicked it away from the centre of the stage with my foot and someone on the front row said something to their friend and, and I, unable to resist, said, sorry, what did you just say? And it, she said that you kicked it away in quite a cool way. And I, was, <laughs> I was delighted to have investigated that, it must yeah. be said. But I guess the cool way is undercut by, sorry, what did you say? Yeah. yeah well, yeah. By caring about what the audience is saying yeah, about okay, well, <laughs> Next time I'll just do the cool kicking and yeah. I won't do the follow-up questions. But yeah. it's just good to have it confirmed that everyone else thinks my kicking is as cool as I think it is. <laughs> it's very cool. Do you have a recommendation, music recommendation for the listeners? At the minute, I'm just finishing the 2023 leg of my tour and on tour I've just got obsessed with making just this mammoth playlist that is like every song I've ever loved so I can't recommend that to people but that is mainly what I'm listening to all the time is this Do you playlist. have a target of number of songs in mind? No, I'm just going until it feels right until it feels like that's the, that's the end that's the that's How the, many are you at the moment? Closer. 270 songs on the playlist at the moment this is making sure it flows right What's the playlist called? It's called Life's Work which I think, is, <laughs> I think is pretty funny. On that, obviously, there are shitloads of songs that I would recommend to people that I think are brilliant. I will recommend the song Here Come the Fleas by White Noise is what I'd recommend from okay. a 1969 experimental electronic rock album. It's very weird. That song's fantastic. And yesterday, I listened all the way through to California by Mr. Bungle for the first time, even though I'm a big Mike Patton fan. And I like Mr. Bungle, but I never like properly listen to one of their albums all the way through. Listen to California all the way through. And it's such a great album. I mean, could have been released yesterday. And I think people would. In fact, it might have been a bit ahead of its time because of how mad it was and all over the place. And music is so boundaryless now. So like, yeah. I'm afraid I don't know anything about Mr. Bungle. Mike Patton was in Faith No More. He's a singer in Faith No More. But Mr. Bungle was his band before that, I believe. So then he kind of like used the Faith No More platform to like get Mr. Bungle releasing their albums proper and they're way more like you know they can just change genre mid-song just out of nowhere very tight musicians but can like you know just pivot into something ridiculous um from something very serious he's an amazing singer and yes it's a very inventive experimental rock album and i think it's their best album i'd say i've listened to some of their other stuff and like all of it but i think this is like it's that top tier I don't think there's a single bad choice on it. I think they've nailed it. Well, You're not changing the order? I'm not changing the order of that album. The highest compliment. I mean, <laughs> yeah. To go for a very different topic, Alex and I DJed a wedding on Saturday night and towards the end of our set, which was fun but stressful, even in just the most basic of queuing songs on Spotify, Alex told me that there was a song that you said was your ultimate go-to floor filler at a wedding and that we should play it and we ran out of time and didn't play it. What is that song? Can you oh recall? It's a, it's a pop song 
I from mean, the, I'd say, the early noughties. I, I would... The, what? Early noughties? No. Late nineties? I think mid mid to late nineties. What I would say is torn by Natalie and Brulia. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> it has never failed. It's the only one that's never failed. And the biggest mistake I've ever made DJing is once I opened with it. <laughs> and there's nowhere left to go. I was like, oh, no, I'm fucked. And, and Nish was there, who's pretty much been at most of the times I've DJed. And when I opened with it, he looked at me like, you've, you've made him. He was like, oh, dear. Yeah, he was crying while he said that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He, was, he said, I didn't want to cry this early. I was filming him. Uh, and he was like, you have fucked up. Because now you've got no emergency song. You've played Torn and that's it now. Mm. What do you think is a good wedding opener for those? Do you think an ABBA? Do you I think, think a good ABBA? I have never topped <laughs> opening with Countdown by Beyonce because people don't expect it, mm-hmm. but actually everyone knows it at the wedding. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun to dance to, but it also doesn't set the expectation of, oh, just everything is going to be, you know, stuff that you hear at every wedding and of it. So, like, actually playing that gives you somewhere to go, but everyone will get up and dance. That's what I would, tr- but I mean, I mean, I mean, if we're talking DJing weddings, I'm only ever again saying yes to people's weddings who are, um, I guess, who are also performers in some way, and who a lot of the people at the wedding are going to therefore be performers, and will leave you alone as the DJ, <laughs> because my wonderful friends who have got married and asked me to DJ for them, who are not performers, although they themselves are fantastic, a lot of the guests <laughs> then go well. We're going to request songs, and if this guy doesn't play them, then we will be physically intimidated towards him <laughs> and uh, get right up in his face. And they've been some of the worst nights of my life because you properly have to deal with that while also making sure it doesn't escalate to the point where the bride and groom even become aware of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the people getting married. Like, you don't want them to know about it at all because you do not want to ruin their day. And that is very stressful. Going like someone is currently squaring up to me and telling me that if I don't play Brian Adams, I'm a, I'm a fucking prick and all this. But I don't have Wi-Fi in this room, and I, all I can do is play what is on the predetermined playlist, and most of it is what the couple have chosen. But they're not listening to me because they're too drunk. This person, but I have to make sure this doesn't spill over into <laughs> the couple's special day and ruin it for them. And uh, uh, awful but every time i've done it for a couple who are at least one of them is a performer he's easy fun people are dancing people appreciate ah well he's up there he's doing all that stuff he doesn't need (laughs) me going over to him going play american idiot yeah you know you've got to be bombing hard for another comic to heckle that's that's yeah yeah well will briggs will always do it but he's a promoter doesn't count He'll always waft his hand in front of his nose and look at you <laughs> and say you'd be playing a stinky song. But you're not. Mm. It's just not for him. It's just that you haven't played Limp Biscuit yet, <laughs> which is what he, is what he wants. Mm. Will Briggs shaking his head when you open with Limp Biscuit with nowhere to go afterwards. Yeah, yeah, he would be. He'd be like, well, I'm happy you're playing Biscuit, but <laughs> how are you going to top this? In 2017, James, yeah. a challenging year, I yes. sent you um, a 10-question quiz about lyrics from albums in 2016, which you were already beginning to hoover up like an absolute mother. Yes, I was excited about it. I remember not... I don't remember what the questions were, but I know I didn't score a perfect score on it. It was incredibly hard. Yeah. You were buying multiple albums a day. Yes. Also, you know, we have different tastes in music. So there'd be things that maybe you would be drawn to that you were like, surely Acast has heard this one. And I was like... Now, that's an interesting accusation. <laughs> 
no, he's already said, he's already been very subjective about it. It's not an accusation. No. Mm. We just have different tastes of music. Well, I think I'll do uh, just a couple of the easier ones and then maybe just a couple of fun ones. Someone hung a decorative surfboard up where your records and movies belong. Yeah, so Jeff Rosenstock. The, the man in the window book. of your department. That was question six. That was where things started to get back on track. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had my head in my head crying. I've wasted my fucking life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until yeah. that, I was, I was very excited about the quiz, and then I was like, "There's an argument to say this is um, making the situation worse." <laughs> <laughs> James is telling our text group how he's really finding comfort in the albums of 2016. I'm like, "And you don't even know them." <laughs> yeah, you, you, you don't know. No, I enjoyed doing things like writing, "You're an ugly, hate-filled man." You're an ugly, hate-filled man, and then writing, "Okay, on with the quiz." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But whereas that's actually a lyric from a song called You're a Jerk by which band? I don't know that, actually. It's, uh, it's by Oakley Doakley, the Ned oh, Flanders. Oh, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have known that. Oakley Doakley. Oh, Oakley Doakley's, they're on the sleeve. Yeah. Of the, of a summary sleeve of Perfect Sound, whatever. Yeah. I think it was like the weirdest sounding album because it's a band that, yeah, dedicated to Ned Flanders. The album's called Howdly Doodly. Howdly Doodly <laughs> by Oakley Doakley. Howdly Piggly. I mean, when you're... <laughs> <laughs> when you're buying that many albums from 2016 to the point where you are thinking in order to make this worth it I probably do have to write a book about it you're very happy when you discover Oakley Doakley yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like okay great it doesn't matter how good this album is it's going in the well, book well I mean it has to be a certain level because I can't fake it so I was like no I do like this enough that um, I can I, I will buy it best year for music since 2016 2022 last year was great I bought a lot of albums last year uh, on vinyl as well because they were really good. You don't love this year so far, is my impression. I love the albums that I do love. I love a lot. Like mm-hmm. there's like a top, I don't know, ten or 15, ten to fifteen that I'm like these are exceptional, and I'm gonna love them for a long Even time. Even that sets the bar. If I've loved fifteen exceptional albums from a year, I'm calling it a good year. <laughs> I'm just not digging in deep enough. I basically love one album from this year, and it's cancelled. Oh, anyway. I'm sorry to hear that. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But the, the last year I had a lot of great ones. That Big Thief album, for one. Mm. Beyonce's album. Jid's album. If you're naming a book after a song or an album from 2022. Oh, I love it. It's, it's, um, it's a hard question on the fly to be Yeah, because... We can eat up some time with... Uh, you're a drummer. Did you enjoy the drumming at uh, Youth Lagoon again, if you'd like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the hard-hitting drums. <laughs> Who's um, your favourite drummer? I mean, I, I'd want... I'm, I'm just I, chucking all the... Just chucking I'm, it all I'm, in now. No, it's all over the place. I mean, Seb Rockford, who I've been lucky enough to, like, do stuff with now, was my favourite drummer growing up and is still, you know, just as good as anyone else that I love now. I still find him endlessly creative and inventive and uh, innovative. So, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably still say Seb. And it's an example of, you know, sometimes meeting your heroes is actually very nice. Did drumming on temps scratch the itch or has it made you want to do more and indeed drum live? It made me want to, you know, continue to make music. I loved the production side of it and I loved the drumming side of it, but I think I'd like to... So in my new stand-up show, I've got a child's drum kit on stage and I play it every now and again and I've really enjoyed playing that child's drum kit. So I'd like to do something with that. I'd like to like, yeah. But I'd like to actually, you know, do a band that rehearses and does gigs, I think. And I want to use the child's drum kit for it. But that's just as as we're talking now. When I get around <laughs> to it, who knows? But like, yeah, I'd love that. The downside of collaborating with 39 people is the inability to go yes, and do a live. I think I probably have to form a new band. <laughs> <laughs>
thank you so much for coming on, James. Thank you, guys. Thanks for inviting me to the gig, and thank you for organising everything, getting the tickets, sorting the WhatsApp group, having me into the this. cursed WhatsApp group. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really appreciate it. The cursed WhatsApp group. <laughs> Ivo had to dash off to another appointment straight after our recording. Huh. James and I chatted Sorry. for a little bit implosive just after that, and we both got an alert on our WhatsApp. Were you together? Oh, yeah, we were together when oh, it happened, classic. and we got an alert, and you changed our WhatsApp group name from... Heaven is a pigsty. To... Youth Lagoon Podcast. <laughs> Just simple. And I had a few v- drafts in my head on that one. <laughs> well, I'm delighted that you shared that moment together because I was excited to send it. I, th- I think I may even have hovered at the top of an escalator to make sure the message is sent before I lost signal. <laughs> that wasn't one that you wanted to do a fly my pretties from the WhatsApps when you arrive above Thank ground. Thank you very much for a kind reference to an old tweet of mine about writing lots of WhatsApps when you're out of signal and then them all flying off like pretties uh, when you <laughs> regain signal, which you can't do with iMessage because they just clunk to green. <laughs> And then sometimes they still go, but I just don't know how it works. Um, whereas the pretties always fly. Good old WhatsApp. Any other big corpse that I should go in about for? So I would like to say that I really enjoyed the podcast. Did you enjoy the podcast? I loved the podcast. Loved recording it. Loved hearing it back. Yes. It's an onanistic business. <laughs> Wanking. I would like to hope that people enjoyed the podcast. And if you want to write any feedback about the podcast, they can write it to gigpigspodcast at gmail.com. You can respond to issues raised in the podcast. And James is obviously just dripping with musical opinions and memories and sort of quite sort of niche hang-ups. Not that niche, like people shouldn't talk at gigs. That's one of the big ones. But um, have <laughs> yeah. you ever reordered an album that you loved and like, actually listened to it in that order instead in a way that James has? And he, I still haven't asked him which is the one he wouldn't tell us. But yes, have you ever done that? <laughs> Do any critically acclaimed artists owe you money? Yes, obviously, that, that is a big one. Critically aimed artists that we really like we and absolutely love and, and, and respect and, and, and are doing, doing an episode about. Yeah, so it's a tricky old business. Uh, <laughs> did you ever write reviews of the gigs you went to as a teenager in an almost, and Alex, I'm putting on your history hat here, <laughs> Stalinist, like five star for everything, only say the good things? Or were you ever in a music magazine in one of those Vox Pop, like I was there, opinions on the door oh, we'd love to see that i was always quite jealous of those and i think i'd like to and james if you're listening this far thank you for listening and sorry for blowing the surprise but i'm gonna try and track down that metal hammer um <laughs> and i probably won't get around to it so there we go but the intention's there <laughs> so if you'd like to correspond with us on any of those things it's gigpigspodcast at gmail.com oh and i had another idea for correspondence i asked james in my flurry of questions at the end of the app sort of quite aggressively bad hosting there. <laughs> I asked him the, the real googly of, if you were writing a book about the music of 2022, named after a song from that year, as with 2016, perfect sounds, whatever, by Jeff Rosenstock, what would be the song from 2022? And James looked like he was going to give that a go. And to be fair, he's listened to a lot of music and he has a very well-organised brain. But I saw him flinch even for a second. So I said, who's your favourite drummer? And we moved on. <laughs> but if you would like to reply with the song title from 2022 in the form of... 2023. Ooh. I thought we asked him about 2022 because he was saying that it was the best year. Ah... I thought we were just asking about the year in which we currently reside. Listen, if you want to email in about this, we're not going to like, you know, uh, we aim to read and reply to and need to improve over the festive period. 
all of the emails. So it's, I, was, I was about to say, we're not going to not reply to it just because it's the wrong year. We might do that because of disorganization. <laughs> but, um, but yes, I think the my interpretation was 2022. And I looked yes, at my 2022 he, he playlist. 2022 to be a good year for music, whereas so far 2023 is not quite up to scratch. So far, we say on December the 8th. Um, <laughs> and yes, one, one of those... As far as rap's concerned, it's over. Spotify rap says it doesn't count for this year. One of those bad years where he's only really loved 15 albums. That made me feel quite <laughs> jealous and insecure. But we go to the gigs. We're too busy pinging to actually listen to the recorded versions, in a way. <laughs> and I went to my 2022 playlist, and the first one that I saw was Can I Have Tea With You? Off the Tiger Who Came to Tea. <laughs> podcast a podcast soundtrack fantastic soundtrack with a lead single by robbie williams not mentioned on the documentary um <laughs> but uh i spent a lot of 2022 acting out tiny goo came to tea scenes with my daughter and that's why that's in there we I'd did love a- to see a netflix documentary where it does one of those slow <laughs> you know when they don't have footage of something so they have to slowly zoom in to an image of something while someone talks over in a voiceover to give the viewer something to watch i just want a slow zoom into the tiger came to tea soundtrack oh. as robbie williams talked about what it was like to lay down that track yes i would like to Probably not within my powers to commission that. Um, <laughs> but uh, if I bump into Robbie Williams in the street... Alert, if you're listening, Robbie, Ivo has intention to try and commission that. Yes, but I probably won't be able to make you rich beyond your wildest dreams. <laughs> It'll be a favour for a pod- podcast. For a podcast. <laughs> so, Alex, we'd like to give shout-outs again to the work of Youth Lagoon and to James Acaster. I'd like to give a shout-out to one of my best friends, Lizzie, who came to the gig with us. We were a merry quartet... At the back, uh, Lizzie works abroad. She sends lovely messages about gig pigs. I'm genuinely so touched that she does. And listen, I don't expect all of my friends to listen to gig pigs, let alone have feedback about it. The episodes are long, and I don't want to boast about my background, but a lot of my friends got quite busy, high-ranking jobs. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when he says on the podcast the episodes are a bit long, and you think, God, I can't wait. What the second? Oh, the second thing is worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my friends come to lots of live gigs and it's really appreciated but what I'm saying is getting regular messages about the pod is rare so thank you very much Lizzie and we had a lovely time watching Youth Lagoon at the back of Evolutionary Arts Hackney and then scurried off to a sports bar nearby scurried off to a sports bar where we were accosted by a very lovely fan of the podcast whose name I can't recall and I feel bad about that and I think you know that I feel bad about that but thank you for saying hi and also we did a crossword with you yes you bet a crossword and we did it together and I can't remember and I won't try and remember the thing that I was particularly <laughs> pleased with getting there we go but he was a fan of all the shot town who had very recently slaughtered Swindon in the FA Cup so he had he had a bit of fun with that <laughs> Um, we didn't do our recommendations on the pod. What's your recommendation, please, Alex? My recommendation to leap off from James's Temps project, one of the main collaborators on that is Montaigne, and they are an artist that James introduced me to, partly through his 2016 book. I would recommend their 2019 album, Complex, and also a couple of songs from their 2016 album which is such glorious heights and those songs are till it kills me is great Uh, also they did a lovely entry for the eurovision song contest australian i still don't think they should really be in it but that's fine it's a very good entry i think Um, that's a really for me australia shouldn't be in eurovision it's a great place to like exercise some sort of racist cosplay Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's a legitimate point. I felt scared to say it and I feel more scared that I said it now that you said it. It shouldn't be in Eurovision. It's a geographically mad thing, but I usually have the opinion Australia shouldn't be in Eurovision, but Montaigne's song, Don't Break Me, is so fantastic that it's briefly rewound. But even a position. bigot like you. 
You can, can even see the beauty in it. A geographical bigot like me <laughs> must insist that Australia be present. So yeah, Montaigne. Montaigne's body of work yes. is my recommendation, but probably specifically the song Don't Break Me. It's very good. Yes. Or the work of the I want to say 14th century French writer Montaigne. Yes. Um, from which the name is cribbed. First thing I did as part of my uh Languages literature degree, which I basically performed quite poorly in. And I'm pretty certain I've got that century wrong. But anyway, uh, shout out to all the legends who read Decoche with me in October 2008 on carriages. Alex, sorry for calling you a bigot. Sorry for failing your Montaigne century shibboleth. Oh, um, is it a shibboleth? I don't know. I don't anyway, know. I was not going to bring up shibboleth, but I think that is a prime <laughs> example of I love your vocab and I'm not afraid to wang a word around myself, but Acaster didn't know what shibboleths were. And you refuse to believe sometimes that people don't know what these things are. Oh, I don't like that energy. Was that my energy on the pod? I oh, hope no. that wasn't my energy We on had the pod. so much fun talking about shibboleths and it really picked me up after heaven is a pigsty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you were the person who knew what a shibboleth was. If you know what a shibboleth is and you think that I'm, if anything, insulting our listeners, then obviously write that to geekpigspodcast.gmail.com. <laughs> Sorry again for referencing the length of the episodes and for being sort of weirdly sort of making a quite long, weird sort of semi- <laughs> ironically <laughs> smug point about my friends careers that's bad stuff from me you're taking joy in your friend's success i guess i am i am <laughs> what was your recommendation ivo uh well this is the main apology it's another uh, italo <laughs> disco song oh great because <laughs> good to just fully fully put that playlist out of action for me no i'm sure it's fine what's the song i have talked at great well, not a great length, but... Listen um, to Extra Swill. That should be a thing that we say to yes. any new listeners coming in from James. Do go follow the Extra Swill playlist on Spotify. Gig Pigs Extra Swill. It's about 300 songs in there now from all the Yes, it's about sort of what, It's an eight or ten per episode, about half of which are by the artist in question. They're songs we love or are particularly referenced in the podcast. And then st- other stuff that we recommend or the guest recommends or that comes up elsewhere in the pod. And I would say that there are some jarring inclusions in there. <laughs> and I would say some of James is referenced in the pod, if we're going to include them, might, might jar quite well. <laughs> Weirdly in there as well. But the one you hate the most when it comes up on Shuffle is the song Rock to Space by Vanello, an Italo <laughs> disco track from a DJ set that I love that got me through the marathon by Palms Tracks. And I just love it so much. And I'm seeing Palms Tracks this weekend. Palms <laughs> Tracks has just uploaded a new Deck Mantel set. It's two and a half hours. It's audio only, so you can't see the people gurning either side of him, which is a shame. But it's a fantastic DJ set. <laughs> and my favorite song, which is just exactly the sort of thing that I just don't think you'll like but it's called <laughs> breathe by wallace and it just goes <laughs> bom, 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 bom. and it's it's been on an embarrassing repeat for the last 24 hours and it where am i seeing palms tracks evolutionary arts Lovely. hackney which and if the it's circle complete i'm not going to say anything more on the podcast <laughs> thank you so much for listening see you soon bye